Open the door and step inside to a world of practical magic, where we blend the mystical and mundane worlds of the everyday witch. Presented by Wise Woman Witchery and hosted by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade-Lewis. Welcome to The Witch Next Door. I'm Emily, and this month we're going to be doing something a little different. So it's been a while since I have invited authors on to talk about their work, and I thought it would be really fun during the summer to do that again, to get a little summer reading list going for all everybody listening out there. So today I have a special guest, Dr. Rebecca Beatty, and she is an author and a teacher. She's a Gardnerian Wiccan, and she also has a very strong solitary practice. And she has a couple of books out already, um, Nature Mystics, as well as The Wheel of the Year. But she has a new book coming out called Planetary Magic. And that one's coming out at the end of July. Um, and I thought it would be really fun to chat with her about the work that she's done. Maybe get a little more information so that y'all can reach out and grab those books and get your summer reading underway. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. It's yeah. really good to be here. Yay! Yes. Yay. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world. Mm, it's I, I'm a bit of a mixed bag, I have to say. I have um, a few strings to my bow, as we say. So my main love in life is writing and paganism. They're both kind of like two sides of the same coin to me. So I have a very active spiritual life, which becomes a very active creative life and they're mm -hmm. two two of the same thing to me so I do lots of writing lots if I'm not writing I'm making things uh, I love working with herbs with essential oils with crystals so over the years I've kind of had various fingers in pies of making uh, traditional soaps or jewelry or all sorts of things but the last probably four or five years the focus has really been on the writing so mm -hmm. that's been my that's been my thing your outlet yes my yeah. outlet well I would just totally agree with you here in fact I just uh wrote a, a newsletter a couple of weeks ago about how creativity really is magic yeah and and it just yeah, yeah, you yeah. know it's such a powerful place to go and Absolutely. hang out with both both of those elements your creative yeah. forces and and your magical and spiritual practices I always used to start my classes. So when I was teaching in London, I had um, regular workshops. I was teaching in London in a basement of a witchcraft shop in Bloomsbury. And I always started the class every week. We'd start with the question, how's your spiritual life? And everyone would check in and, you know, say how their spiritual life was. If they couldn't tell me how their spiritual life was, I always flipped the question and said, how's your creative life? Mm -hmm. And that, usually lets people you know it gives gives them a, a way in doesn't it sometimes yeah yeah especially if they're drawing a blank I'm, I don't know I'm not feeling very spiritual sometimes where when you really think about it or drop into the feeling of it suddenly yeah. you're like oh yeah wait I am cultivating that in this whole other way yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so writing is your heart yes writing is my heart as is nature um mm -hmm. so I'm really grateful I've managed to find ways of combining the two and making you know making the the focus of the the writing is really about 
either our relationship with nature or other people's relationships with nature. So Nature Mystics was all about authors who um, use nature as their principal inspiration. So I was looking back at authors like J.R.R. Tolkien and um, Edith Nesbitt and lots of lots of different authors that kind of used nature as their focus, even mm-hmm. if we didn't didn't you know we don't necessarily see them that way when we study them at school but I was kind of giving a little a little focus to them and then obviously the wheel of the year book is all about practicing with nature at the center at the heart of what you're doing uh-huh. so, yeah. does the wheel of the year book follow the the holidays the holy days yeah so it's it's the the pagan wheel of the year mm-hmm. that, that we will have seen online we will have had various different versions where um you know that we always get into debates about what the the festivals are called but it's yes. basically the you know every every six weeks we pagans stop don't we and we we celebrate whether it's uh Beltane in May or you know the summer solstice in in the in the sort of June time so it's it's all about that wheel of the year and how um so I was taught how I was taught it which was by my uh high priestess of, of the coven that I trained in mm-hmm. um, and she'd been taught it by one of the you know one of the last people that worked with Gerald Gardner so she sort of got it from a fairly close uh close eye view and then and then I've kind of tried to shed a slightly different light on it by by suggesting we can use it instead of turning it into this kind of I don't know Protestant work ethic where we spend the year working on a project and you have to have a product at the end of the year what I'm suggesting is we use the wheel of the year as a rejuvenating force and and you know really connect back in and so there's lots of self-care in there. There's lots of activities to do to kind of lots of journaling prompts and um, take yourself off into the woods and and meditate on this kind of prompts. And yeah, so hopefully, hopefully it's a it's a way of celebrating the Wheel of the Year, but also using it as a way of connecting to yourself again mm-hmm. in a way. Which I love that so much because I think, at least for me, my own spiritual practice, so much of the connecting to nature and connecting to the rhythms of the world around me is a way to tap back into myself. And I think it can be easy at times to forget that when we get caught up in the, I have to do it this way and focus in this way. And I have to create this ritual that, you know, might be external versus how is this actually impacting you internally? exactly yeah 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 and I think I think I I always talk about um when we because the the book came from several years of teaching wheel of the year as a topic so Uh pre before covid happened uh long back before we all (laughs) sort of started wearing our face masks and and getting quite paranoid about what we were coming into contact with when I used to teach in the basement of the bookshop in Bloomsbury I had a a group of what we used to call the witchlets, the young urban witches that that met every month. And I used to teach them um, beginning stuff, really. It was kind of like, you know, people that were starting out that needed to kind of touch base with, with pagan practices and start 
actually doing the practical, not just the reading. So the books were kind of born out of that practice. It's it's sort of come from the teaching that I did with the young urban witches and also the the older folk as well that used to come in. And with our Wheel of the Year classes, that that's what we did. It was just, you know, really focusing in on ourselves and and just getting them to pause in the chaos of life and mm-hmm. just take a breath, you know, and and pause and and slow down because I think so much of the city is built around fast and you've got to be speedy and get to where you're going immediately and you know we don't don't really take time out do we no and I think that's you know yes it's definitely a city thing but I also think at least here uh in America (laughs) it's a cultural thing there's this like goal-oriented focus that takes us out of being and draws us into doing and yes. in that way, we miss the moment. Yeah, absolutely. My my partner, who's a historian and a former um, very, very, very left wing person, always says, you know, we're in this in late stage capitalism. It's all about your productivity. Mm-hmm. It's all about what can you produce that supports the capitalist system. And uh, and and while I might not be quite as far left as him I'm pretty left but not quite as far left I do really understand that that kind of you know it's all about are we useful to the economy it's never about our value as human beings it's always you know like you said our value as human doings not Mm -hmm. not human beings yes Mm. yeah I I mean I think that for me that is so much why I'm drawn to witchcraft is because it yeah. does bring me again back to the cycles back to the connections with the natural world um which is a good reminder that we too are of the natural world exactly where you know I I love there's a um there's a, a person who's um on British TV doing programs about veterinary medicine and he always refers to animals as non-human animals because he uh-huh. wants us to remember that we are actually animals too yes and the, the the barriers between us are so minuscule but we always forget don't we humans always think that they're superior and in charge of everything and in control of the world and the the lovely thing about living closer to nature is you have those reminders all the time. Yes, that we're not we're not in control and we're not we're not running the show. Some you know something else is, um, and it's it one of the markers that I found just just thinking in terms of where you are geographically and where I am, one of the markers that I found I really appreciated about the. We're not really post-COVID, are we? But the the kind of once COVID had arrived and we were all starting to live with it, the bit that I appreciated about the world is that we went online and we became better able to kind of communicate over over distances. And for me, when I noticed it was when I was doing the, the Wheel of the Year classes online, one of the common questions I always ask the attendees is, what's happening in nature where you are right now. So I'm yes. sort of encouraging them to say, okay, stop what you're doing and just look out and see what nature's doing. And it was, I think, our mutual friend, Charlotte, who <laughs> who popped up in, in a class one day and said, oh yeah, it's forest fire season where I am. And I was kind of thinking, 
huh yeah we don't have that in the UK we don't we don't really get those kind of massive forest fires and that was the bit that made me realize oh my goodness the classes have gone international now this isn't just a basement in in a you know funny little corner in London it's (laughs) we're now connecting across the globe and I think that's amazing yes I have a I think it is amazing I have a really good friend who uh runs uh the Sisters Enchanted which is basically like a witchy online school and she but she's been doing it well before COVID all Mm -hmm. online and through that I have met all of these people who especially during COVID when my own life got a little more quiet in person I got super close with, even though like she lives in Connecticut and another gal lives in Wisconsin and somebody else lives in LA. And it's, it's been such a gift, I think, to, um, to really bridge, to remind us that we are all together in this, even though our togetherness might look different depending on where we live. Absolutely. And, and just the very fact that we can choose to live in different places, Mm -hmm. you know, so before COVID, I was very much wedded to the fact that I lived in London, I worked in London, I was doing my PhD in London, I did my yoga classes in London, you know, it was all, all centred around London. And my sister, who lived in, in a rural community, kept saying to me, why don't you come home, you know, it'd be really nice. And I was like, oh, no, darling, my life is in London. And then, you know, and COVID happened, and it was like the first fortnight of COVID lockdown, I was just like, hang on a minute, I don't actually live in London, I live in the suburbs, I would have to walk three hours to get to central London, uh-huh. and I'm paying half a salary for a tiny, tiny shoebox in a in an obscure corner of London, and I don't have to live like this anymore. Yeah. You know, so I think in some ways, our freedoms of choice have opened up. I agree. You know, means we can connect like this and and it's great that's yes. that's the bit I think is good yes it's lovely and I find so much value in talking to people who are in other places in the country yeah. in the world and learning about what is happening in nature at their time yeah. like you were saying Charlotte Absolutely. mentioned the wildfires um because it does create this bigger I don't know just consciousness of awareness isn't yeah. it of, of, of how also how the actions that we do are affecting other people around the globe yes exactly you know, so if we think about environmental impact it might be very easy to think oh it doesn't matter if i you know if i'm polluting this bit doesn't matter but when you start to feel the effects that other people are feeling yeah becomes a very different kettle of fish absolutely yeah that's really well well said yeah mm. So you started writing this, you wrote this book about the wheel of the year, which yes, has to do with the cosmos on some level, but also yeah. really has, is tied to what's happening in the earth in this moment. Yeah. And it sounds like yeah. this next book is about what's happening up above. Yes. So we, we go a bit planetary. I, again, this was another, and it, I find it really strange the way the world works because Um, I actually wrote the planetary magic book before I wrote the wheel of the year book so in my head it's kind of like long gone but it's only (laughs) just coming out so it's it's a really weird thing that I I'd finished my finished my doctorate in in first lockdown and and then started you know I was I was writing 
um, fiction for my doctorate, and so I write I write novels as well. Um, but the novels are, are kind of like a real love child, but they they're kind of taking a bit of a back seat at the moment because um, after I'd finished the doctorate, I started sending out the the PhD novel to various agents and was getting you know re rejected all over the place like you do when you when you're doing creative stuff and then thought oh I'll, I'll keep myself busy I'll write some non-fiction so I kind of wrote the planetary magic book um just after Christmas a couple of years ago um thinking that oh just keeping my hand in I'll I'll write the book that I wished we'd had when I was teaching the classes uh -huh. so it was really you know I was writing it with my young urban witches in mind and um and thinking about so and what I hadn't realized because I've been teaching this topic for so long and all of my um all of my own personal coven training was in planetary magic so before I oh. was initiated into the craft part of my journey in was to do lots of studying and planetary magic was one of those topic areas and I've been doing planetary magic for 20 years now so it's kind of become second nature I do this all the time any any spellcraft that I do always has a planet involved but it was only really when I started talking to people about doing this book that I suddenly realised how obscure it is. It's kind of quite a, I think it's quite a niche area mm -hmm. because we're used to seeing, when we talk about planetary anything, we're used to having the modern astrology talked yes. about. But this is very much rooted in ancient planetary magic. So this dates back to ancient Babylon. So we're going back, you know, millennia to, to the beginnings of magical consciousness where people were standing on planet earth looking up at the heavens and they could see that there were two luminaries so they had the sun and the moon that that were always visible you know one or the other was visible and then they could see that the constellations were traveling across the sky so you know they would see orion or you know whatever they called orion at that time um and then they noticed that there were five other wandering stars that were always moving. Mm -hmm. And those were the, the, the five of the seven planets. So in pre-modern planetary magic, we take, it's in this order, I've got it written on my wall because I have to remember this. So it's <laughs> moon, then Mercury, then Venus, then sun, then Mars, Jupiter and Saturn so there's no mention of Uranus there's no mention of Pluto nobody knew that Pluto even existed at that time because you couldn't see it right you couldn't see it you couldn't see it with the naked eye so it right. did not exist so Uranus Pluto and the other one because because I've trained in this the, the hilarity is if anyone starts talking to me about modern astrology I'm like oh I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because it's 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 just this is the system that I was I was taught. So we have this group of seven planets that that on planet Earth, if you were looking up at the sky, and they thought that the moon and the sun were planets, even though we know that they're not. Um, you know, they they included them in the lineup. Um, but then each planet that 
revolved around the earth but they they weren't flat earthers at this time it, they always you know it was always understood that the that the earth was round but what they thought was that everything revolved around the earth so we're in an earth-centric universe where uh-huh. you've got the planets going around the earth because obviously we're the center of everything right um, well you know if you don't know <laughs> different exactly exactly and then each of those planets then shines its light down on the on the earth and there are bits of you know there are plants and parts of the body and jobs that you might do that are ruled by a particular planet and not another so uh for example mercury is the planet that rules merchants and bankers and pickpockets so oh. it's our it's our trickster planet that comes in and fleeces you when you're not noticing you know he comes Interesting. in and is a little bit naughty so you know we get all of these planets each one has its own set of things that it looks after and then so from ancient babylon from you know several millennia before the common era we have that then traveling through ancient Egypt, it's still still in existence in ancient Egypt. It then goes to ancient Greece and Rome and it picks up various different qualities. So when it hits the ancient Romans, they give it the names of the ancient Roman gods. So that's why they're Venus and Mars and not, mm-hmm. you know, not Isis and Osiris or whoever else. And then eventually we go through history and the grimoires, the old books of magic get written and they all talk about planetary magic in this, in this worldview. They're all using this as, as the, at the heart of them. So then fast forwarding, we, we suddenly get to, you know, the, the age of enlightenment and the scientific era when we start realizing that things are not quite as we thought they were but the books of magic were all written in this worldview and that's what continues. So although the scientists are saying, but there's Pluto over there and there's Uranus Mm -hmm. and the modern astrologers are saying, Oh yes, we know that the ancient books of magic that we still study today, that we still use as our basis for everything was written in the old pre-modern planetary system. Uh So if you read modern authors so like one of my favorite authors when I was starting out fellow Californian we had Scott Cunningham writing Uh books he was using the same system of magic that this is based on oh okay it carries all the way through and and part of the reason I absolutely love Scott Cunningham and I'm always telling people read Scott Cunningham is because he rooted his knowledge in the old books of magic he'd read the grimoires he was using the same system of magic but he was bringing it up to date so he was adding in things like new world plants that the you know that the ancient babylonian magicians didn't know existed you know like coconuts or aloe vera or you know all those all those plants that come along much later get added in as well Interesting. Okay. So I have, I have never heard of planetary magic in this framework and I'm, I'm pumped about it because (laughs) my background is in, you know, astrology and what 
you know, I mean, my background, I'm not, I'm a certified astrologer, but it takes me a minute to pull that information up out of my depths of my brain. (laughs) And and partly the reason that I was writing the planetary magic book was I was thinking, oh, well, at least I've got a reference then. Yeah. Book, and if I've forgotten something, I've got it instantly (laughs) to hand. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, that that looks like a book I'm going to need in my desk reference. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I'm curious, just for you personally, do you have a relationship to modern astrology at all? Like, have you seen any I overlap between the two? Do. So I do. I do. I'm starting to. So my magical training before I went into, uh, before I was initiated into the Gardnerian tradition, um, we had quite a vast body of study that we had to do. We had to, you know, there was a whole syllabus of stuff I had to go and explore. And one of the topics that I was instructed to explore was was modern astrology. So you had to learn the planetary magic. And I kind of went all out on that one. And, you know, everything I did became about planetary magic because it just worked so well. So with with the. Uh, I do have a kind of knowledge of modern astrology. There are certain modern astrologers that I follow because I mm-hmm. can see, you know, part of my training was to go and investigate your own birth chart and uh-huh. understand what your planets were and how how that impacted on your personality. And I think one of the things I often say to the sort of non-magical students I come across is don't knock it because you know, we think of astrology as being this thing that you read in the paper every mm-hmm. day, you look at your stars, which are really, you know, might as well be fridge poetry for all we know. <laughs> that, that they're actually based on actual astrological details. But I've got a, a friend who, a former student, now friend, who is deeply into astrology and she kind of keeps me on on track because she'll say to me, don't do that this week, whatever you do wait until Thursday because you know and she'll tell me the reason and and um and I do follow this there's somebody in in the UK called the Oxford astrologer and I have kind of you know been following her and getting to grips with because it's such an in-depth complex subject Mm -hmm. that has so many nuances to it that unless you actually spend time studying it so it's one of those things that, that I do pay attention to and I am attempting to get better at mm-hmm. because if you ask me about what Neptune does, you know, it, in my trained head, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, but I need to know. I need to learn this. So it's it's one of those things that, you know, I think we all, don't we, as as people that are drawn to the witch path I think if you're drawn to this life it's because you're naturally curious and you want to learn stuff yes and you want to understand the world better even if it's a you know I often say the other thing I say to students is you have to give yourself permission to believe in magic because we're, we're trained not to we're trained that you know in in our world that it has to be scientific and logical and all the rest of it so you have to kind of let go of some of that um and I think astrology is one of those topics that I love the more I more I learn about it the more I love it because it is so 
curious and it, you know you can't tell me these things are coincidences that that my you know my mercury is in pisces so i really struggle i can communicate with emotional language i'm good at writing but ask me to be concise about something and i really struggle <laughs> Yeah. So there are there are bits about it that I think just make sense when you start learning the detail. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it seems like if you learn more about astrology and you have this training in this other way of planetary magic, there is a way they could work together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I have a, a, a you know, the, the book is also based on my own reference books that I've put together. So one of one of the things I was encouraged to do was create my own notebooks and start gathering information. So, mm -hmm. you know, in the book, I've included all the correspondences that I've gathered from various sources. So not just the grimoires or Scott Cunningham, but other places that, you know, so I've kind of brought it all in together. And one of the things I did was added to that notebook and said, right, OK, Uranus, Pluto, Neptune, let's get them in there. And mm. understands that it's a slightly different worldview, but it can still, it can add to it. It gives it another layer of nuance yeah. that I haven't included in this book because this book was, was the pre-modern stuff. Right. right. But it sounds like that book is a good foundational piece. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's intended to be an introduction. It's not yeah. a, you know, it's not a, a big tome. It's just a little... A little introduction to <laughs> it's a little tome yes <laughs> not a really heavy one no no it's a throw in your purse kind of tome exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah wonderful now you said that you were teaching are you still teaching do yes, you still offer classes teach. yeah I still teach online every so I do about two classes a month online for um, Treadwells in mm -hmm. uh, Bloomsbury. Uh, and we, we do various online classes. So I think the next the next 12 months are, are booked up to sort of carry on. We, I'm going to be teaching, ironically or not, uh, Planetary Magic and Wheel of the Year are the focus for the next 12 months. So I'm just about to start another cycle of of those two topics um, and are, but there's all sorts of things there too and I wondered are those classes that you're offering are they something that you have to sign up for the duration or can you hop in no, and just you just hop in I mean okay. they're, they're they're individual workshops so it's um you know I try and give a little bit of an overview each time so that mm -hmm. if you haven't been to them you're not suddenly thinking oh gosh I've missed something crucial and everyone else knows what the what the crucial information is but me you know that that feeling you get sometimes when you're you know you think you're the only person in the world that doesn't know something and it's not true so, are you sure because I really have that feeling sometimes yeah. <laughs> I think we all do don't we yeah we do, we all do. <laughs> exactly yeah. And for anyone listening who hasn't checked out Treadwells, they are a wealth of resources, often mm -hmm. offering classes um, and just go to their website and check it out. Yeah. I'll put, I'll put it in the show notes along with yeah. Rebecca's information. Fabulous. And then yeah. I'm, I teach as well. Uh, I'm doing some workshops for the fabulously titled college of psychic studies in, oh. in, uh, 
which is again in London, it, it was somewhere I trained as a as a newbie. Uh, and it was a college that was set up by all sorts of people in the Victorian era that were really interested in this, including Sir Arthur Conan Doyle uh -huh. of, um, you know, Sherlock Holmes fame. Yes. So when you go to the College of Psychic Studies, it's fabulous because they've got this amazing staircase with this oil painting of Conan Doyle, you know, looking down on you. <sighs> And I just think it's fabulous that there's somewhere in the world called the College of Psychic Studies. Uh, yeah. Just... <laughs> we need more places like that. And is that something that you offer online? Like, can people yeah, sign again, up for that online? Yeah, okay. again, they, they do online classes on all sorts of things. So it's sort of psychic development and, you know, a lot more. Uh, I, I went to do psychic development there as a as a young student and, um began I really struggled when I started because I, I thought I had the equivalent of psychic constipation because I just uh -huh. couldn't pick up anything so it was it was just trying to kind of learn ways of working with energy and being able to feel it more mm -hmm. and then I unleashed a monster and now it's kind of you know it's <laughs> a bit too far the other way but yes it's a, it's a good resource as well nice I love that you just said that because I talked to so many people who are like they don't really think they have, they're like, oh, I can't, I'm, because I think we're, we often believe we're supposed to see something in a certain way. Yeah, no, no. And it, right. And, and it doesn't work like that. Everybody's different no, and everybody gets information yeah. differently. And sometimes it's as simple as listening to like, oh, when I get this twinge in this one spot in my body, it means this. Yes. Um, But yeah. it's, you're not going to have, not everybody's going to have these grandiose visions no. that are... <laughs> It's, it was, I think, one of the one of the um, earlier pagan authors used to talk about seeing the goddess when she was, you know, there's a there's a, a, a an encounter of have, seeing the goddess when she was driving down the freeway, and this used to terrify me because I used to think I just want to focus on driving. Yes. I don't want to <laughs> don't want to be seeing something. And I did have that I did have that conversation when I was when I was starting at the College of Psychic Studies, where I was going in thinking I do not want to start seeing dead people yes. do not send me I don't want anyone standing my, by my bed when I wake up so and I do think we have a level of control over this yes I, I do, do too think that you can say no I'm not comfortable with that I, I'm happy to do the feely part mm -hmm. but don't show me anything or or don't say weird things in my ear when I'm not expecting it you know yes Yes. So I, yes. I think we get what we can, what we can manage in well, these I, scenarios. I think there's also something about being empowered in whatever gifts you have and going, okay, I want this, or you know what, this thing happens and I don't want it to turn out this way. So I'm going to, yeah. like, we have some control over how we, we choose to work with our gifts and how we receive information. And I, I personally believe this is my level of woo that uh, we can ask for that, you yeah. know, and, and get help from other beings absolutely. to help us like yes. tone it down or open it up absolutely and that was the bit that I learned actually if I if I look back at the College of Psychic Studies so one of the areas I used to really struggle with was this idea of whether empaths exist mm -hmm. right because I feel a lot I feel a lot but I also work in um, trauma-informed therapy settings yeah. in my day job um and I also understand that 
that sense of being an empath can also be a reaction to trauma in childhood. So you learn to read a room quicker than you can possibly imagine. And it's not necessarily a supernatural sense. It's a a trauma response. Mm -hmm. So the bit that I learned when I went to the College of Psychic Studies was how to turn that off. Because I was like a little sponge. I was just taking on everything every emotional state that anybody presented themselves in I would be feeling it and quivering in the corner um and what was really good about doing psychic development work with the teacher that I studied with was that she actually taught me to know the difference between what's mine and what belongs to other people Mm -hmm. either dead or alive you know it was sort of like okay is that yours yes no okay if it's if it's not yours then you can switch it off you can say you know thanks but no thanks on that one and that's a really important lesson to learn whether you whether you're working in psychic skills or not I'm a psychotherapist in my other my day job uh and and yeah I mean this is one of the things you're talking about trauma and I think that can get confusing for people when especially if they have both going on yeah. of like what what is mine what's other how much of this is psychic and how much of this is actually what's happening with this person in the room because I'm empathic and you know all of these all these different pieces it's I think yeah. it can be really helpful to do some training or get some support around how to differentiate definitely yeah yeah, definitely. yeah I love that you brought that up yeah so uh how can people find you what's the best way for people to connect with you uh, the easiest way I've got a website online, which is www.rebeccabt.co.uk. So mm-hmm. that's that's one way. I am on social media as well. I'm on okay. Facebook and Instagram, okay, mostly. Um, and and you'll find me with my real name there because I hadn't thought about the possibility that I might need a pen name before I published. <laughs> was only when I started seeing my book in places that I suddenly thought oh okay <laughs> I've just outed myself but that's okay that's all right because I'm teaching and and you know I mean yeah thankfully my day job is one where they're fairly relaxed about these things so it's not a problem which is just as well okay um, yeah so I'm I'm out there on under my own name Okay. Well, I will include all that information in the show notes so people can access you. And and for folks who are interested in getting your book here in the US, it sounds like we can all get it through Amazon. Yes. um, Or any of your books through Amazon. Yes, they're all on there. Okay. And then if people are in the UK, where can they find your stuff? Um, Again, Amazon has them, but I always like to encourage people to go to independent bookshops if they can, because they need our support and um, and the one thing that I've learned with all of them is how amazing they are. Yes. The Wheel of the Year uh, for me has been a bit revelatory in how much the indie bookshops really support authors and they're, mm. you know, the, the, they're out there doing amazing work. So I would say if you can go for your local bookshop and get them to order it for you if they haven't got it in. Um, nice. They they're more likely to have the wheel of the year because it's uh, the publisher is a mainstream publisher. It's a non-pagan imprint. It's it's oh. out in the wild for everyone to read. And I'm getting lots of people coming to me that are saying, oh, I'm a Christian and I really enjoyed it. Or, 
you know lots of different faiths yeah um, people from lots of different faiths are reading it so that's great I think planetary magic is probably a little more niche yeah yeah <laughs> expecting readership to be slightly more witchy on that one well maybe except that if people knew what it was actually about and the history that you just shared I think it would be also be really far-reaching yeah. at least for people who are interested in the history of things which definitely. I am yeah definitely <laughs> history is yeah. always a good thing totally cool well I will definitely put that information out there and thank you so much Rebecca for taking this time to hang out today and chat with me and share I really enjoyed it me too. <laughs> we should do this more often. I think so. I agree. <laughs> and I'm pumped to get your book. So uh, that's exciting too. I'm glad it's coming out here pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Great. Well, thank you so much. And for everybody thank listening, you. until next time, keep it magical. Hey there, friends. Emily here from Wise Woman Witchery. If you like what you hear on The Witch Next Door, I invite you to support us. You can do that by rating, reviewing, liking, following, uh, what else, <laughs> whatever else it is that you do on the platform you like to listen to podcasts on. By doing these things, it actually helps other people find us and in that way helps us spread the magic. So I appreciate you taking the time to do that. And thanks for being a listener. Thank you for joining us on The Witch Next Door. Join us next week as we explore more ways to make every day more magical. Can't wait? Visit wisewomanwitchery.com or follow Wise Woman Witchery on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date on all current offerings and be a part of the tribe. All episodes are created by Emily Morrison and Veronica Wade Lewis. Music written and performed by Jean Cornelius.